took a big chunk bleeding. It's bleeding. I know it's bleeding. The thing just ripped me ear off. What do you think? Hello again, everyone, and thanks for joining us for Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast edition three. You know, people said it would never last. It was a busy show last week, lots to discuss, and it's just as busy this week. We've the Super League playoffs getting underway this weekend. The race has begun for the 12th place in the competition next year. Ian Watson has left Salford after all, and he's believed to be on his way to Huddersfield. And even though it's only week three, we have a brand new feature for you as Ian Proctor, the world's best when it comes to knowledge of rugby league, will join us later with a couple of brain teasers for you. One of the questions, by the way, is an absolute stinker. But before we get to it all, I know that, uh, Steve-O, this week for you is a particularly poignant moment in the calendar because I think I'm right in saying 48 years ago this very week, Great Britain won the World Cup against the Aussies in France. And it always is a week that you remember very, very fondly, isn't it? Yes, Eddie. Not so much for the the fact that we actually lifted the trophy, but uh, I'd just like to let people realise that we have so many of that particular squad who sadly are no longer with us. And I raised a glass to all those that have passed away and hoping that rest in peace. Yeah, well said, Steve-O. Very well said. Right, let's move on to the chat. And uh, we'll begin with the second state of origin match in Australia, shall we? New South Wales and Queensland has been played this week. 36,000 fans inside the Olympic uh, Stadium. The result was a win for New South Wales, 34-10. It sets us up nicely for the decider in Brisbane next week. So let's, um, let's start with the action out there on the pitch, Steve-O. Uh, before we get into all the politics again, what did you make of it all? I thought it was an absolute classic game and it showed you last week we gave all the praise to Queensland coach Wayne Bennett. Psychologically, he just had his side turned around in that second half. But I've got to give a lot of credit to Brad Fittler. On this occasion, the New South Wales coach came under a lot of criticism because he brought in Walker instead of Keary. Now, the combination between Cleary and Walker certainly worked. You look at the people who scored tries for the Blues, and it was all out wide, the wingers. He's not a type of player, Walker, that takes control. That's the job of Nathan Cleary. And it worked to absolute perfection because Walker is what you classify as a link to the three quarters. And boy, it certainly worked. Well, it did, and it, it produced the fourth biggest win uh, over Queensland and in front of 36,000-plus uh, at the Olympic Stadium in Sydney. Now they go to Brisbane. What about this record up there? I mean, records are there to be broken, aren't they? Only two wins in 11 deciders previously. Can New South Wales do it again? I think they can, mainly due to the fact that it's very difficult when you travel up there because the majority, let's face it, is going to be, they're going to be Queensland fans. And they are just absolutely, well, they go crazy over the, the state of origin. It's very difficult to win there. And, of course, 
you know, Wayne Bennett, we keep saying it, he's a great coach, but he's more of a psychologist. He will be just saying that, you know, we are on home turf. And he will be drumming into his players. They've only won here twice. They've only won here twice. They've only won here twice. And it's a big job for Brad Fittler, the New South Wales coach, to be able to say, look, ignore all that. If we play to our wonderful wide play, getting the ball out wide with Walker and Cleary. I thought Cleary was excellent in this particular game, and so was Walker. Maybe a lot of people would have said, well, to me, Walker didn't do much. Oh, yes, he did. He let that ball flow right across the three-quarter line. And that's what they need to do up in Queensland. It won't be easy. It never is. No, it won't be. It's a, it's a difficult place to go and play, obviously. Uh, Steve, I just want to get your opinion of uh, where the State of Origin series is in the calendar at the moment. Obviously, this is a very different year to what we've had previously in the previous 40 years. But right at the end of the season, a lot of people think that that maybe is the place to play State of Origin. If that is the case in Australia, what do you think? And I know you're a big internationalist, but what would be the Australians and the NRL's view about internationals moving forward if they play State of Origin this time every year? They won't do it, Eddie, because of one thing. They look at the amount of people that were watching on television and that will control it. It's been well down to what they normally get mid-season. So when the television companies say, listen, we don't want to put it on late after, the, after the, their grand final, we want it in the middle when everyone is all tied up watching television for this particular series. It won't be down to uh, the Queensland Rugby League and the New South Wales Rugby League or the NRL. It will be taken over by what are the viewing figures? Money, money, money. Well, you said that last week as well. OK, uh, money, money, money. That seems to be uh, your number one tune at the moment. Uh, let's look at the playoff series. Well, it always, it always is, Eddie, when you, don't, <laughs> when you don't have much. It's all right for you guys that, uh, you know, you've retired on this an enormous pension that Sky gave you. Yes, yes, I'll agree with that. And the, the rampant lions, <laughs> by the way, the rampant lions on the gateposts are still there and nicely painted. Let me tell you that. Uh, right. how's, the, how's the swimming pool? Is that nice and clean? Well, I've had to cover it up because it's Leafy Lane, Cheshire, I live in, as you know. Uh, listen, play, playoff series now starts in Super League uh, this week. Warrington Hall, followed by Catalan against Leeds. The good news is that all the six clubs in the playoffs, apparently they have passed their COVID tests. So the matches this weekend will go ahead as scheduled. Hull are being looked at as possible dark horses, but they've got a massive match against Warrington first up. Yeah, well, it, it's all a matter of, of whether the, the players that they've got at the moment, uh, how many of those players will be going into a game that's been carrying an injury for quite some time? I, I've always thought that when you play three games in, in the space of seven or eight days, that you're carrying an injury, you're carrying an injury, that not one person really will be 100% fit. They, they just can't be. They'll all be all strapped up, this, that, and the other. And it could come down to, you know, you've got 80 minutes and you're in a chance to make it to the grand final. I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing that they've done. And I'm so glad for the fans. OK, we, we haven't been able to go and see the games, but that 
it's a wonderful thing that all those players and all the officials, they have really put themselves about to ensure that at least we did get a season. Yeah, they've done well. I mean, it, it, it is a tribute to to everyone in the game, the players and the coaches and the officials particularly, that we've we've got to this stage. Because, because there is the problem ongoing with coronavirus, though, um, if you look at the Super League website, there are all sorts of permutations that could happen if the coronavirus strikes over the next three weeks at one of the the clubs involved in in the playoffs. I mean, could we have a situation where Huddersfield come in late on and they play Hull if if they have stayed clear of the virus, those two? Could they be grand finalists? I mean, as I say, a weird season, it would be the weirdest of ends. Well, it would. And and, uh, to my my way of thinking, if, say, the the top four clubs, let's put it that way, if they start having problem with the virus, then... Quite frankly, I, I would cancel the season. We don't have a grand final because it, would be, it wouldn't be the right thing to say that someone who was finished in sixth or seventh or even eighth position to walk out at the grand final at Hull. It's just not on. I think, I think we will be criticised very, very heavily in regards to the fact that how on earth can you date that if the COVID situation means that we can't have the top teams playing, then we should cancel it. Well, pre-coronavirus, Leeds went to the grand final and won it twice from fifth. Yeah, I know they can do that, but they, they earned to get themselves into the fifth, mainly due to the fact. Look, look at the semi-final. No one give Leeds any chance of winning that Challenge Cup semi-final, but they completely just played out out of their skin and beat Wigan. They can do it again. They can do it again against Catalan. It's not going to be easy for Catalan to come in. And as I say, it, it's going to be down to, you know, 15, play, 15 players from either side. Who's carrying the worst injuries and who will get them through? Because these games will be decided in the final 20 minutes. That is when all the injuries and that's all the energy will just disappear from your body. And you could miss the tackle that could, could be the difference between winning and losing. It's a very difficult difficult situation. I hope it doesn't occur. It's wonderful uh, to say that that those four teams will be able to play this weekend. And I think it's I think I think it's marvelous for what they've done. You know, it's it, it's great. But if it doesn't occur, if it means that seventh and eighth and and substitute teams come in, how can you call it a grand final? It's not grand at all. Well, it's a good question. Uh, let's see how it all pans out. Fingers crossed it'll go faultlessly. So the season 2020 is coming to an end. Season 2021, they're talking about March, maybe even later than that, to uh, kick off in 2021. But um, the big race as to who will be the 12th team has already started. Now, there's a list of contenders almost a mile long. Toulouse, London... Featherstone, Bradford, Lee, Halifax, York. They're all saying they want to be involved and there's going to be a seven-man independent panel, three Super League officials, three from the RFL, and Lord Jonathan Kane, who is the vice-chairman of the Rugby Football League's all-party parliamentary group in the Commons. They are the men who are going to decide. The big problem, Steve-O, is that whoever comes in is only going to get a million pounds. They're going to start the season with the hands tied behind their backs, aren't they? 
Disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. We are in the time where everyone is shouting out loud for equality. And here we are with the governing bodies. They have actually said, yes, you can come in, but you're only going to get nearly half of what we have to spend. You may as well just say every game you can play with one arm tied behind your back. It's ridiculous. And, you know, those clubs who want to go for the 12th position, and obviously all those clubs that have put their hands up, they'll be saying they've got to do that because the fans, if they didn't, the fans would be saying, listen, I, I pay for my season ticket. Why didn't you apply for to get into the Super League? But the funny thing is, they're not getting the right amount of money. I, I cannot believe that the 11 Super League clubs have actually said, oh, give them nearly half. And then, I mean, it's like saying you're up for one year and can you see that that team will actually survive from relegation because they're saying that to be, there will be promotion in 2022. And I'd like to see all those clubs that are supposedly putting in, <laughs> putting in uh, a, a petition to say we want to go into Super League. I would get all those clubs together and say, Say to Super League, listen, we're not going to apply because if you don't give us the money, then we're not going to apply. Now, what on earth would those would the the Super League do that have something really, really red hot on their hands and say, no, we're not going to apply? So what well, happens? I don't. Well, I don't think that's ever going to happen because Toulouse have got Super League players or players with Super League experience already signed. Uh, Featherstone, for instance, say they are four years into a five-year plan that they believe will get them into Super League, and they say they are ready now. And Lee, well, 21 players signed. Um, they've got Matty Russell and Joe Meller signed this week, and the rumour is they're also after Ben Flower, so they're spending big, even though they're not yet in. Well, I thought Toulouse was pretty smart when it first came out about the fact that they're only going to get uh, one million instead of one point eight million, and they were first to uh, to hold their hands up and said, "Oh, we, we we'll be quite happy with taking the one million. But I just wonder if also if one of those clubs that are applying that get into it, they'll probably realise that they can't match with only half the money they'll be relegated after one season, 2021. Now, I hope it doesn't happen, but what if the club says, we'll take the million, don't buy any new players, get hammered every single week in the 2021 competition, get relegated, but they'll have a million in the bank. That'll keep them going for maybe two, three, four years. What's that song again? Money, 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 wasn't it? An ABBA hit. I can, I can see you recording it and getting it in the top ten the way you're going on on this. Listen, I've got three copies of it in case the other <laughs> one's just run out. It, 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 look, uh, I'm hoping none of this will occur, but I, I just cannot believe that a, a group of people say, yeah, we'll let you in, uh, but you're only getting a million. Now, if they were quite happy to give a million away for the person for the team to come in, why didn't they think about giving the million to, to, to Toronto to pay off the players and actually stay in Super League? Well, that's a question that we will never find the answer. OK, look, we'll take a break from the chat now and bring you 
that new feature I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, Ian Proctor sat alongside Steve-O and me for 30 years on Sky Sports, and he really was the brains of the operation. His knowledge of rugby league is encyclopedic, and Ian, or Prockers, as we all know him, has agreed to pose a couple of brain teasers for the podcast each and every week. That's to test out your knowledge of the game. Here's the first coming along, so Prockers, it's over to you. So who is the first player to have appeared in Game 1 of an Origin series, then be replaced by his brother in Game 2, before returning to displace his brother in Game 3 of the series? So there we go, Steve. That's the first one. Uh, it's supposed to be fairly easy, that. Have you got any ideas at all about the answer? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, me, me likewise. They, uh, listen, if they, if they don't have a number on their back and they don't have the name on their back, then I'm, I'm totally lost. I know you were lucky it was played in the summer when we were together because it wasn't quite as muddy in your day and you could see the numbers. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think you'd have any idea. But I bet oh, I, 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 listen, listen. We all know Prockers, and uh, if anybody, if anybody gets them right, they, they deserve. They deserve a medal. He's amazing. The man is amazing. He is. He is. But I bet there are people out there who have got an inkling of the right answer to the first one. So here comes the second question. This really is going to test your knowledge, Prockers. Back to you for the first of your weekly stinkers. There's been 11 Queensland coaches and 15 coaches of New South Wales in Origin football. Can you name the nine men who have captained their state in Origin football before going on to coach them? Well, best of luck with that. And you can ponder that one for the next <laughs> seven days. Answers will be coming to both questions next week. How's the memory, Mr. Memory Man? How are you doing now with all that? Oh, oh dearie me. Do we have to go through this every single week now? That's well, your idea. You put it forward. Well, yeah, it. yeah, but I didn't realise that they were going to be so hard. <laughs> dearie, dearie me. Come on, Prockers, make them a little bit more. No, no, you're right, Eddie. We, we, we should make it because... A lot of people will just get onto the websites on the, you know, the, and find out what the, the answer is. But knowing Ian, it's probably made him that hard that you can't find out on the websites. Correct. He's got hundreds. He's got hundreds of questions just like that. Look out. As I say, the, the answers to both of those next week. Right. Back to the, the more serious stuff. Uh, and uh, where are we going Next. Well, Ian Watson has left Salford, Steve-O. He's supposed to be on his way to Huddersfield. Maybe the announcement is is due. Um, is this a good move for Ian Watson? He was supposed to be going to Hull three weeks ago and he turned them down. Well, that's what most people are saying, that he's gone straight away. Now, this comes after where he confirmed that he wanted to stay at Salford. So maybe it's one thing again, that money. Maybe he wanted an increase in his salary. And Salford, they don't have any money. Maybe they said, will you take a cut or will you do this, that and the other? is a damn fine coach, and a lot of the big clubs uh, have, have been sniffing around him. As you say, he turned down Hull. Uh, and a lot of people, perhaps, are just turning their noses up and saying, why on earth would he go to Huddersfield? So you well, say I it's think... down to money. You think it's down to money, not ambition? No, no, no. I mean from Salford's point of view. 
that yeah, is take, yeah. is take, you're saying, you're is saying he, should the, take, he might have to have taken a cut. Now he's yes. going to Huddersfield, so he's obviously not going to take the cut. You're saying it's down to money. It's not Ian Watson's ambition, surely. It's not about amb ambition. It's about the fact that, that they may, I'm not saying they have, but why would he, why would he leave so quickly? It, it was terminated within, like, seconds. You're gone. Well, it's the end of the season. It doesn't matter that he's gone immediately. I mean, why prolong the agony? Well, we don't know. We haven't we haven't had confirmation from the Giants whether he's going to be the new coach. Simple no. as that. But I think it's a very smart move by Watson. Because if, say if he went to a, a, a top club, all right, there's a lot of speculation that Warrington may may be looking for a new coach. I'm not so I'm not so sure that that is really? true. Really? Yeah. Where have you got that? Where have you plugged that one well, from? Well, well, it's speculation. <laughs> I mean, speculation where in your front room? Well, it, it would it wouldn't surprise me if somebody pops my name up to take over. But <laughs> oh, they're not that desperate. Good no, God. I know. But you just you just think about that. It, it's that. He may have thought to himself, well, okay, Huddersfield are going to give me, if he's going, going to give me a good contract. But he's, he's being very, very smart. If he went to a top club, say if he did go to Warrington, they'll be expecting to get at least a trophy within, within 18 months or two years. At Huddersfield, he can give himself maybe three, three years to build, and they've got some good development there. The Giants have really, I've got a really good squad. Uh, you know, they, they were only losing by the odd odd point. I think they lost three games by oh, the odd did. point. Yeah, and a couple of, yeah. yeah, I mean, they could have been up there in the playoffs. It's it's so simple. If you added all those near wins, that they could have been up there with the big boys. Just just hang on a minute, Steve. Oh, there's a car pulling up my path. Oh, it's Steve Price. Steve, <laughs> Steve Price wants a word. Come in, Steve. Come in. Come in. Talk to him. Talk to him. I don't think he'd be too happy with you, Steve-O, suggesting he's on his way. <laughs> I'm just saying that that is, that is what's doing the rounds. Listen. Uh, I'm doing the rounds where? Where have you heard that one? I have good contacts. You must realise that. <laughs> I don't I don't pull things out of the air like yeah. you used to do it. Of course you don't. No, no. You ba everything you're saying I, is <laughs> based on fact. I know, Listen, I know. I have good contacts within our game. Don't you worry about that. I mean, all you've got to do is just look at what Sky have put out about all the coaches that may be going to Salford. Oh, I know. The list's endless. The list well, is it, absolutely it, endless. Paul it, Rowley it, was already there. Brian McDermott, I can see that. Tim Sheens, I can see that. Danny Ork, can see that. Richard Marshall, assistant at Saints. Andrew Henderson, assistant at Warrington. So sounds like there's going to be a huge clear out at Warrington from all this. Danny Ward. <laughs> James Ford, Stuart Littler, and even Bobby Goulding gets a run. Yeah, Bobby Goulding, actually. And, and I mean, we may as well throw a, a former Swinton coach into the, into the mob here, uh, Paul Kidd. I mean, you, 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 may, you, may as well, you may as well just complete it. And there, you're having a shot at me by saying, where, where have you got this information from? Listen, people within any sport, never mind rugby league, <laughs> this this media just gets from worse to worse. It's simple as that. And I, I, who's going to take over? Come on, you've just gone through the list. You me? tell me which. Yeah, you tell me which one of those is going to go to Salford then. 
But that's not my job. I'm just the man who sits on the fence and asks the questions and pulls you up about outrageous comments. <laughs> it's it's not outrageous. It's what people are thinking. Well, maybe Steve Price is on his way to Salford then. <laughs> Well, just because you're a mate of his and, you, and he, he lives in your borough. The Royal Leafy Borough, Le- do you mind? Yes. Leafy Lane, Cheshire. Yes. Look, go outside and kick the lions that's up on the pedestal <laughs> outside your house. Actually, people think they're wolves, but they're not the lions. Let, let, let's move away from this brevity for a moment. I just want to talk, and this is really, really serious. The human cost of the decision that was taken to kick Toronto out of Super League next year. I mean, there are debates either side of the argument whether they should or whether they shouldn't be allowed in. I don't know whether you've read John Wilkins' comments on the Sky Sports website, and I don't know whether you saw the interview with Brian McDermott last week that they had on Sky. When I mean, he was... Somehow he held on to his emotions. He was really, really, really upset about what has gone on. Um he hasn't been paid, I don't think, this year. A lot of his players haven't been paid. According to John Wilkins, one player has borrowed up to the absolute maximum that he can. He's living off food tokens, he says. One player is delivering dog food for a living. One player is living in a camper van. He can't afford his rent. One player's moved to the South Coast, offering surf lessons to try and make ends meet. As I say, Brian McDermott visibly moved last week about this predicament, passionate about the Toronto idea, thinks it's the biggest mistake the game has ever made. Whose responsibility is this? It can't be the Rugby League Cares. It can't be the Benevolent Fund because they've got so much on their plate with injured uh, players at the moment. Isn't it the game's problem? Hasn't the game got to come up to, to scratch here and offer some sort of recompense? Yes, you're right. I can remember during the days when I played, there was no real insurance if you got injured or whatever and you couldn't get to work. Uh, slowly but surely, they brought in an insurance company, which meant that you could get at least five or six weeks wages uh, to cover you until you got over your injury. And I don't think that we've moved on from that in well, any the, way. Well, the League Cares and the Benevolent Fund, Steve, are doing a fantastic job, as you well know. Yes, they do. And, and you know, Stephen Ball is an absolute master of bringing together the families that uh, have got injured players, really injured players. And, you know, what we have to look at is the fact that Take, for instance, you talk about the Toronto incident, is that if you're bringing a new club into an environment which is we call the Super League uh, and Rugby League, then surely we must make sure that there's an insurance to cover things like this. Because what we do is we seem to go out on a limb. One man at Toronto said, I'm a multimillionaire, I'm going to make it work. And then all of a sudden the same guy said, I can't afford it and moves away and leaves everybody without a job, without money, and, uh, as you've just explained, without food to put on the yeah. table for their family. It's now, a tragedy. It's a tragedy for those it, those players and a it tragedy is, for the coaching staff it is. And, and that's not too strong a word to use, by the way. No, it is a tragedy. And the thing is, it's a tragedy that we don't have within our organisation rules and regulations that if this thing happens, then there should be money put aside. Now, I don't know what percentage that we should put aside, but from the TV money that they get, maybe they could say, you've got to have 
3% that goes into the fund? Is it 10% that goes into the fund? Or should the owners of Toronto have been told to put a bond in to the Rugby Football League just in case of this eventuality? Yeah. Well, that's the same sort of thing, Eddie, only in, in reverse. Yeah. But, you know, the governing bodies of, of any sport, they've got to make sure that people like that, which you've just explained, don't have to go through this trauma. It's been very difficult with the pandemic. We know that. But when someone just pulls out and says, that's it, you're just left with nowhere to go. And I'm not surprised. I, I, you know, Brian McDermott, it, I'm surprised he didn't break down on air. I think he was close to it. I do. Well, it, I watched well, it, it closely. It, I think he was close to it, Steve. Well, he, sh he should have been because it is, he's a man that's been such a successful coach. He works hard. And yet we don't have in place anything which we called security. I don't want to leave this week's podcast on such a downbeat uh, moment, uh, but it is a serious problem for all of those players that we've talked about. But I want to actually look now at some great news that's come out this week, not just purely and simply for rugby league and football and all the other sports in this uh, country, but for every one of us living in the UK, the vaccine that will halt coronavirus, stop COVID-19 in its tracks, is on its way. What fantastic news this is. What a Christmas present it might be. Yes, for everybody as well. And I'm so pleased. Look, we have put a lot of people under a lot of pressure. I'd like personally, I'm sure you are the same, Eddie, that, you know, the people at the NHS and all those people concerned, you know, the lorry drivers, the police. It's just absolutely wonderful what they've done. And for us to realise over the last couple of days that they will now have a vaccine is probably one of the greatest things that I've witnessed in my life. It's unbelievable. I mean, they've moved with such speed. I mean, you mentioned people in the NHS. My daughter-in-law, Michelle, she drives an ambulance, uh, you know, and she sees it firsthand. We're all worried to death about it if she goes out and and catches coronavirus. Thank God she hasn't so far. But there must be millions of families like that throughout the country worried to Well, we all are. We're all worried to death. But at long last, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And on top of that, Eddie, there is the light at the end of the tunnel. And when we do get into the sunshine out of the tunnel, I think that the government should make sure that every NHS nurse, doctors or whatever, get paid a proper wage, not a pittance. The government, I think, has wasted a lot of money in regards to getting uh, instruments and masks and all this sort of thing. Well, it's about time now that we've got the vaccine. We're hopeful that we have full control that these people who have been up front fighting against the virus, nurses, etc., doctors, they get a decent wage. I think everyone will say, hear, hear to that, Steve. Oh, I do. I mean, we end on a, a monetary note, um, which is a great monetary note this time. And I know that you personally will be delighted that the FTSE has risen by about five or six percent this week because all of your multi-million pounds worth of investments now are rocketing through the roof. You'll be all right from here on in, old boy. Well, I'll put it this way. The only the only downside is that I didn't buy Amazon shares. 
But before we before we go, Eddie, let's also make sure that we we cock a hoop about the fact that we've got we've got a vaccine, et cetera, and so forth. But please, please, don't think that this is over. You no, know, no. You you people out there, take care, respect people, keep your distance, wear the mask. You've got to do things right, and let's hope that by the time the new rugby league season next year starts. We'll be on top of it. Indeed so. And the crowds will be flocking back to the game. OK, there we are. That's uh, edition three over and done with. More of the same nonsense. Well, nonsense in parts. Some good stuff in between all the nonsense next week. And uh, we'll also have, of course, the questions being answered by the brain of Britain, Ian Proctor. See you next week, steve Bye. Bye.